0: Welcome to Rooted Parent, a podcast that aims to equip parents to think biblically about some of the most pressing and confusing issues of our day. We hope you enjoyed the first two seasons of Rooted Parent, All About Boys with David Thomas and Sane Parenting and Insane Times with Cameron Cole and Anna Mead Harris. This week, we launch our third season of the podcast entitled Rooted Parent, Ask the Experts. In this season, Anna and Cameron talk with fellow parents such as Jen Michelle, Susan and John Yates, Philip and Jasmine Holmes, and Megan Hill, all about the struggles and hardships of parenting. They'll share wisdom and give some practical advice. We're happy to share that we'll be publishing this podcast twice a month, on the second and fourth Thursdays of each month. Rooted is a ministry focused on advancing gospel centered youth ministry. Learn more by visiting us at www.rootedministry.com.
1: Hey, I'm Cameron Cole. And I'm Anna Mead Harris. And this is the Rooted Parent Podcast.
2: There you are. Yeah. And, and uh, with us today, we have, would you say this is our favorite Canadian?
3: Uh, definitely.
2: Definitely. I mean, I How know. many
3: Canadians do you know? <laughs>
1: I mean.
3: <laughs> but you still
1: are our favorite, definitely. Um, we are really thrilled to have our guest uh, and friend of Rooted to the podcast today, Jen Pollock-Michelle. Um, also she's known as Madame Michelle. Madame Michelle. <laughs> yeah, Yep. exactly. That's right. We could go that far back. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. She spoke at our Chicago conference in 2018. And after she spoke, Cameron and I got to go with a group. Uh, including Jen to, oh, was it Eataly? Italy? Italy, <laughs>
2: Holy cow. Very, that was a night. Uh,
3: that was a former world, right? <laughs> Remember when we, you guys are probably back to eating at restaurants, but we aren't quite yet here in Toronto. Not like that. That was yeah. a, a table,
1: a long table full of friends from all over the country, really. And we just got to, you know, eat a lot of good food into the late hours of the night.
2: Oh man. hmm Totally fine. Yeah. All over the continent.
1: Yeah, because that's right. Excuse me. Continent. Exactly. The continent.
2: want to change or marginalize our Canadians.
1: <laughs> we, we, we do not. But uh, yeah, so that was a, a fun, a fun memory with Jen. So we're really excited to have her on the podcast today. She is an amazing writer. She uh, and teacher who lives in Toronto with her husband and Five kids, and mm, she. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So took the creation
2: mandate seriously. Look <laughs> <laughs> at this one, literal.
1: <laughs> she is prolific, both in kids and in book writing. Um, <laughs> she's just released her fourth book, which is called "A Habit Called Faith: Forty Days in the Bible to Find and Follow Jesus." She is a personal hero of mine with all those kids and all those books. Um, So we wanna commend all of her books to you, but this most recent one is a resource that parents will really wanna know about. Um, Here really, we get a lot of questions about good devotionals to use with teenagers and a habit called faith is one that we are thrilled to recommend because you could do it uh, individually, you could do it with um, one of your kids, you could do it as a family or with a small group. Um, And uh, it it works so well on so many levels, partly because of the way it evolved. Can you tell us, Jen, about how you developed the concept of the book and and how it all sort of came to be?
3: Sure, yeah, this book is kind of a funny book because I never would have imagined 20 days in Deuteronomy, 20 days in John, writing that and thinking that that was a good idea. But I was actually studying in the Gospel of John for a speaking engagement, I think a retreat that I was doing. And I started to get really fascinated that there were so many connections between the farewell discourse in particular and the book of Deuteronomy. And that, you know, as we see Jesus saying goodbye, farewell to his disciples, giving his final words, final commands, you know, here's a new command that I have for you love one another um, as I have loved you. And that's what we see in Deuteronomy. Moses is getting ready to leave the people of Israel. He's going to die. He's not going to enter into the promised land with the Israelites. And um, so there's a lot of similarities just in terms of like the setting, if you will, and with, you know, end of John and the book of Deuteronomy. So that started to get me curious. And then the other thing were these five words, see, live, love, know, and obey. And again, as I was studying in John, they were saying, you see these kind of verb, these concepts coming out in John. And these are also drawn out in the book of Deuteronomy. And so that just, I think that set my little like writer's mind, like all the wheels turning in my writer's mind thinking, oh, those five words, those are so great. And wouldn't it be interesting to write a project that could sort of explore the nature of faith through those five words. And that's initially how I thought of, um, of doing the project. I thought, well 40 days sounds kind of interesting like uh you know to do something that's actually a read like an engagement with the text with the biblical text but maybe with these five words in mind and of course, you know, I went in thinking, wouldn't it be great if day one was see and day two was obey and day three was love and, you know, but it didn't work out as systematically as that. Um, you know, you see them woven kind of throughout and it wasn't, it was, wasn't really possible as I was studying and, and writing to identify one particular word for every single day or isolated, I guess, in that sense. Um, so there was that. So, I mean, it, so it was studying in John, I think I also really wanted to offer a resource that I didn't see available for people that I know and love. People that I have a lot of spiritual conversations with in Toronto, people who know I'm a Christian, who... I want to take the faith conversations with them more deeper. I actually want to get them in the Bible because my husband and I have done evangelistic Bible studies forever, you know, really since we were married. And I really see that so much transformation happens when people read the scripture for themselves. The Holy Spirit speaks through the scriptures. Um, and so I wanted, a, I wanted something for these friends, but something that didn't, that was very inviting um, which didn't, you know, leave them with like something that could kind of connect the dots for them. You know, even if you weren't very familiar with scripture, you could maybe open this and somebody, you could feel like you had a guide connecting the dots, helping you sort of get oriented to the biblical text and the biblical story, not assume too much, but also not dumb it down. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't want, I think that that is something that is really tragic. When we invite people to consider the Christian faith, we sometimes give them this like really shallow kind of easy version of it. Like, well, if I can just get them through the door, Mm -hmm. if I could just get them, you know, kind of like excited about like some of the promises that are in scripture that would be, that'd be really cool. And then I'll save the hard stuff for later. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's a mistake. I actually think it, so getting people into some hard parts of scripture, these were all the kinds of things that were sort of going through my mind as I was developing it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons that it works well on so many levels is because you intended it to be used on so many levels. So mm. that's, that's super helpful. So what about the testimonials? Um, How did those, so the book, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, there's maybe 10, nine or 10 different stories that are included, uh, interspersed throughout the daily devotionals. How did those come to be married to the daily work that you've already laying out?
3: Yeah, I guess I should say, you know, one of the things too was this Pascal quote, you know, that I had sort of run across this idea of, you know, that you can, that habit can be a backdoor into faith. That was also something kind of going through my mind. Like, oh, inviting people into the habit of reading scripture. Scripture itself is powerful. Habit is just, you know, doing something regularly, consistently over an extended period of time. Um, So so there was that. And so I just started to think, oh, I wonder, well actually I think what happened is I was describing the book project to a college friend and he said um this whole idea of habit being a backdoor into faith and he said oh you should talk to the bishop in my diocese they're in South Carolina this actually was Mark Lawrence the first story in the oh, book and yeah. uh, um, he's an anglican bishop and yeah. they said you should talk to you do you know him
2: yeah oh, it's hard amazing
3: hard Oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't know him. He just came to me through this friend. And he said, what you're describing is exactly actually how he came to faith. And so I thought, oh, that'd be so interesting to actually like get his story. And so I interviewed him and um, put it together. And I thought, oh, this would actually be amazing to have many of these. The other I think benefit for, well, A, story is super powerful. Um, You know, people just resonate immediately when somebody tells their story. Um, I think it's really helpful for people who are considering faith to realize that there's not one right way in the sense of, Well, there's only one door. There's one door and it's Jesus Christ. Um, But how God brings people to himself is so vastly creative. And I think that's very hopeful for people who sometimes wonder, will it have to look this way? I mean, even honestly, there's somebody in my small group who became, well, actually somebody from when I was working on the project, she became a Christian through reading deuteronomy in the last month her husband has just become a christian um but the the, but the thing is is that his story is already you see how it's so different her story was a lot a lot more emotional there was a lot more like feeling involved you know a feeling that this is true and jesus is real and his has been kind of like a slow sort of considering examining questioning scrutinizing and then literally like the and then the day it happened at small group actually he he realized it was john chapter eight i think if i if i remember correctly it's when jesus is not setting the crowds write about his birthplace they're all saying well he can't be the messiah because he wasn't born in bethlehem you know he was born in nazareth and what jesus doesn't do in the in at least as john tells the story is he doesn't say guys guys you know let me let me straighten out some of the details here and this man as he was reading the story he realized oh you know Maybe not all of my questions are going to get answered. Maybe Jesus actually, maybe I'm going about this. Like, I want to satisfy my mind. Maybe Jesus is asking me to bring my heart to him, to surrender to him. Like, maybe that's what faith is. And so that, but it, it's, it's not a heart kind of conversion in the way that his wife was converted with the, all of the feelings and the emotion and the enthusiasm. So I think it's just helpful for people to see that every story is so different. Yours, you could come to faith. Um, and it may look ve- very different than your neighbor who comes to faith.
2: I think that's particularly valuable for a Christian parent.
3: Very mm-hmm. exactly what I was because
2: say. I think a lot of times, um, you know the, the greatest concern of a Christian parent is the salvation of their child. and so in our desire to control our children and to uh, you know encroach upon territory that really belongs to the Lord, a lot of times we try to fit our kids in a spiritual um, a spiritual mold that isn't necessarily the mold that God's created for them we, we you know we we want them to come to faith in v b s <laughs> or on, yeah. on the youth yes. retreat, you know, or on the youth retreat. We don't want that path of conversion to potentially be that they get in trouble, they get thrown in jail mm-hmm. and they have to go to rehab. No. Yeah. Yeah. And no messy. They find you know, and they find they find Jesus um in a different kind of way.
3: Mm. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah, that is that is really that is very comforting. I, I wanted to read something that uh, from the introduction, that I particularly like, that I think um, that would be helpful when you're talking about a talking to a teenager who's struggling to believe. You know, they've gone to church all their lives, but they're not mm-hmm. feeling that heart connection. But they, you know, I, I think we find kids in our churches who are wrestling with exactly what the the man in your small group was wrestling with. Like how. How do I get there? How do I cross that? Um mm-hmm. I, I like this quote from the introduction. It says, Jesus offers us a path to knowing God that isn't strenuous, but also not effortless. Yeah. It requires our intention, our agency. It requires that we show up. Mm-hmm. And um I, I just think that's that's a really um that's a really helpful com- concept for a teenager, just the idea that you that you keep showing up. Um, and yeah, absolutely.
3: Different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and keep engaging with his word, which is what you're urging readers to do here.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a conversation with one of my own teenagers. It, so it just so happens that for the next like three days, I have five teenagers in my house. <laughs> so my oldest is turning yay? 20. <laughs> I know. Yay. Or nay. <laughs> um, so my oldest is turning 20 on Sunday, but, um, you know, I've had a conversation over the last year with one of my teenagers, so I'll try to, I have two girls, three boys, so there aren't too many identifying characteristics that will will give them away, even if I say she. But um, one of my teenagers, you know, I think she was kind of waiting, like, where, I don't feel faith. Like, I don't feel like God is near. I don't, I, I sometimes I don't even feel as if this is real, you know, it, it really can feel very sort of, um, remote and distant. And we talked, I actually took a plant from her room and I said, you know, what would happen if I like stuck this plant in your closet, (laughs) you know, and you wanted it to grow, you love the plants and you hoped it would grow, but you know, you haven't given it any of the conditions for growth. And that Mm -hmm. is, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just an example of like, we can't we can't make faith happen. I do believe faith is a response to God's initiative in our life. It's a response to the work that he's done through Jesus. This is this is just not anything we can sort of muster up in ourselves. Um, I do believe that faith is a gift. Um, by grace, you've been saved through faith. But when, you know, that isn't to say that we can't create, you know, we can't participate, I guess, in creating some conditions for faith, you know, just like you set that plant by the window, and you give it water, and, you know, you transplant it when it outgrows the pot, Um you know, you can't just, like, wish it good thoughts, and I think sometimes we think that with faith, you know, like, oh, well, I wish I had faith, but, oh, I'm not watering it, I haven't set it in front of a window, you know, I'm not in community, I, or my teenager isn't, or we don't, we're not reading the word or there aren't these kind of habits. The habits don't, don't, I don't want to, we don't put our hope in the habits, but we do kind of say these are good conditions. You know, I like one of the ways I've said it, you know, is that we can't make it rain, um, but you can get yourself outside. You know, you can get yourself outside to just stand under the sky. And I think when you do that and you do it trusting, entirely in the goodness of god who wills that people know him who wills to be known who wills to be loved who wills to be worshiped you know if that is your heart's desire um you know that is you can practice the habits of faith as an act of trust
2: yeah that's That's really good. good yeah i think that um Someone I work with named Gil Cracky. He he talks about the um, active passive. Mm. Basically, the you know the action of putting yourself in a receiving position to receive the grace of the Lord to receive the Holy Spirit. So I think that you know that it's it's paradoxical, seemingly
0: contradictory, but um, but it's there. Hey, listeners, Davis Lacey here, podcast producer for Rooted, and I interrupt this podcast to tell you about Rooted's most recent offering The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School. The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School is a book published in partnership with New Growth Press. It's a collection of 30 essays from 30 different authors. Writers such as Scott Sauls, Jen Pollock-Michelle, David Zahl, and Sandra McCracken reflect on their teenage years and write about how if they would have known Jesus then, like they know him now, their high school years would have been filled with hope, freedom, and forgiveness, more so than they could have ever imagined. Students can utilize the Jesus I Wish I Knew in high school as a devotional, they can read it like any other book, or this would be a great resource for youth ministry small groups you can pre-order a copy of The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School for the teenager in your life, available now wherever books are sold.
1: Uh, one of the things that I have enjoyed going through your book, and I'm only I'm 20 days in because uh, I've been doing it for Lent, uh, but every day I could go through pretty much and pull out a habit of faith. But the mm. habits of faith were not kind of what you might expect to find, like going to church and memorize scripture and all those things are incredibly necessary and wonderful. And um uh and sort of what you say like the conditions of light and water and and potting but but the habits of faith that that you mentioned were were often attitudes or postures of the heart. And there were some Mm. beautiful phrases. Um a habit of faith as listening. Uh, habit of faith of, this is a quote, feeling the weight of God's words. Um, uh, habit of faith, believing I was held fast by his strong hand. Um, renewing confidence in God and his supply. Which, which ones of those habits are some of your
3: favorites? Which ones were the hardest to write about or the hardest for you to practice? Mm, interesting. I remember specifically in edits, the initial, when you said feeling the weight of God's words, I think initially I had it as giving God's words weight. And I thought, oh, no, that's not, that's absolutely so wrongly said. God's words have weight. It's just whether or not I feel them, whether or not I kind of allow them, you know, to sort of settle into me with that weight. Um I mean, that's, that's a huge one. I can say, you know, feeling the weight of God's words is, is, is an obedience word, you know, it's, it, and it's, it's also a reckoning with the holiness of God. So interesting, actually, in my own Bible reading, I mean, we're sort of early in the year, so I'm in the book of Numbers. And today was when the man is gathering sticks on the Sabbath and they decide, God says, you should stone him. And I thought, and you know, as a 21st century person, of course you come to a story like this and you think this has to be so wrong. I mean, what are we finding here in scripture? Like, why would God ever do that? And that's a story to say, God's words have weight. Mm
1: -hmm. We
3: got, when God said, you know, keep the Sabbath holy, it wasn't just a mild suggestion. It really was, it was a command. And, and, and I think that's what we wrestle with when we come to scripture. I mean, I don't know that we ever grow into this habit as if, and it's a reflex for us. I don't, feel that at least. I feel that every day I come to scripture almost anew, recognizing more places of resistance in my soul where I don't want to grant God's words weight. I don't want anything to be painful in my life. I want really to follow Jesus and I want it to just, um, not really wrestle anything, disrupt anything, you know, let me kind of keep to my familiar ways. And so that, that's kind of an ongoing one, I would say for sure. You know, I also think about just trusting that I'm in God's hands, that I'm kept by him. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a, I'm the kind of person who, could, I mean, honest, quite honestly, go down a performance path. You know, I think it's good to talk about habits are not about performance. They're not about earning our salvation. They're not about impressing God, but I certainly could go down that path, you know, and I could feel that I fall out of his hand, you know, the moment I fall off the horse, you know, the the moment that, you know, whatever you go through a season and your habits sort of falter and fail. And, um, can I really trust that, that I'm secure in God's hands and that he really actually looks at me with favor not just sort of like, I indulge, you know, Jen at the, you know, I'll let her in the door, but I'm going to keep her close to the door and not close to me because, you know, she's not one of my favorites. <laughs> she's, she's failing me too often, but could I actually believe that God looks at me with such delight that he sings over me that he, um, that his heart rejoices, you know, to think of me because. I am in Christ. I am united to Christ. His, his son in whom he, you know, takes much delight. These, that is such a hard thing. I think for me as somebody who is very hypercritical of myself and acutely aware of the many, many ways that I fail him, especially in parenting, (laughs) since this is a parenting podcast, you know, let's just all be honest. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, um, well that's, I,
1: w- I wanted to mention one of my favorite ones you said is keep believing we're befriended. I thought that mm. was a beautiful way of putting it. It's what you're talking about is, is, can I really believe that that God calls me friend and wants yeah. to say I'm a friend? That, I think yeah. that's, a, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, so Deuteronomy does have a lot to say to parents. Um, and a- as a matter of fact, I was I was in a class with Cameron last week and he said, if you want to uh, find out some of what the Bible says about parenting, you're going to study Deuteronomy.
3: Um, mm. You saying
2: that, yeah, Passing down the faith, yeah. yeah. I mean, some people call it the book of family discipleship.
3: Yeah. yeah. Ooh. yeah. So, so Cameron should take this question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, uh, what would you say, Jen,
1: since you're the special guest today? <laughs> oh, uh, darn. What, what would you say uh, parents might gain from the study of Deuteronomy?
3: You know, the study of Deuteronomy, it's so much of a rehearsal of Israel's story. It's like a retrospective. Like, let's think back to what God has done. Let's think about the ways that he has provided for us in the wilderness, these 40 years of wandering. Let's think about his deliverance from Egypt. Like, let's just tell the story. Let's tell it again. Let's rehearse it again. And so Moses is constantly saying, don't forget and remember and um, rehearse and and, and, and not only do it for yourself, do it for your children, keep telling your children. And I really do think that that's just a super powerful one is that we, as parents, we have faith stories and we should be telling our children those, you know, really like, not just like, well, when I was 16, I went to camp. I mean, this is my story. You know, when I was 16, I went to camp and, you know, I I gave my life to Christ, but like, here's, you know, just inviting them into like actually the setting and, and you know, not, not that everybody has that one particular moment, but these, these really visible kind of manifestations of how God has been faithful, how he's pursued you, how he's befriended you, mm-hmm. you know, when you have you telling your story to your children and we all know that they actually do love to hear our stories. I was just telling my kids a story that they'd never heard before. And they're like, I can't believe you haven't told that story. That's so great. And they were laughing. And I'm trying to remember what the story was now, probably something super embarrassing. Um, (laughs) because you know, they love those the best, but kids love to have a sense of like, I know my parents story, but it's not just, it's not just parents telling their kids their own faith story. It's telling the story of the family. It's the family story. You know, it's like, here's how God's been faithful to us here. and, And you know, that a lot of that is just Living organically the life of faith, you know, as children see their parents struggling to make a decision, we don't know what to do here. We are going to have to pray about it. You know, we're going to have to see how God leads. You know, as you kind of like draw the curtain a little bit and you live that. You live the life of faith very transparently with your children. Don't, you know, let's not pretend we have everything figured out because we don't. <laughs> and a lot of, and, and, you know, it's bringing them into the mistakes too, you know, Here's something that, you know, we realize now we wish we'd done differently, but here's how God's been faithful. And so I think Deuteronomy is a great reminder of telling your story and knowing that you have a story Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's actually ways that God has visibly shown up. It's not just the things you invent in your head. You know, the Israelites had, you know, God had parted the Red Sea. God had brought manna from heaven. God had defeated some of their enemies, you know, as they're getting ready to inherit the promised land. He'd done these things. What are those things, you know, that are really kind of tangible and concrete that we can share with our kids? I think that's probably one of the biggest things.
2: Yeah, so uh, kind of reinforcing what you're saying there about living under a narrative. Yeah. I. you know, I think just to get theological for a second you know we live in the now and the not yet so you know we are simultaneously living in the present evil age we're living in the fallen world but Jesus has also come mm-hmm. and established his kingdom and you know and so in that sense we live in the age to come and so mm-hmm. you know basically if we're you know a huge emphasis what you're talking about in terms of the habit of faith is being in the word like being in scripture mm-hmm. And so if we're not in the word as parents, you know, we, our flesh is naturally, naturally tends towards the narrative of the fallen world, the narrative of of the present evil age. And as a parent, when, what happens is we kind of have confirmation bias. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have the sense of like, you know, in the flesh, we believe that we've kind of been left to our own devices, The world's kind of out of control, we can't count on God, Um, it's all up to us, we have to be the hero of the story, you know, whatever the false narrative is, and so when, you know, the normal things that happen in the fallen world occur, we tend to, that tends to kind of confirm our false narrative. Mm -hmm. So It is imperative for sinners who naturally kind of believe the false narrative of the the present evil age and the flesh to constantly be reconnecting with the narrative of the gospel that in fact Christ has come into the world. He has lived a perfect life for us. He has died for our sins. He has risen for our justification. Mm -hmm. He has ascended into heaven. He reigns from his throne. He has sent down his Holy Spirit and he's redeeming the world from his throne. And we, that's the narrative we actually live under. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that, That narrative, there's so much more comfort. There's so much more peace. There's, there's faith, you know? And, um, and so I think that, uh, I think that's part of why, you know, talking about this habit of faith with scripture being at the center of it is just so imperative when you're a parent. I think that maybe it's in parenting that the false narrative of the flesh maybe is most, uh, is most like magnified, most reinforced Mm -hmm. by your day-to-day experience.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's like we're restoried every day to Ooh. open the scripture. Oh, good work. Really good word.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually thinking about the title of our podcast, Sane Parenting in Insane Times. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's good to be reminded that God is still writing the story. Really and know. so our times appear to be, Insane. It's confirming mm. bias that we're living in a really weird time, but uh, the story is still being written. I mean, that's one thing. I had all my kids home for part of the, the quarantine, and they've been in and, out of the ho- in and out of the house a lot more. And, you know, periodically we'll say, Well, what is God doing right now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like what? Not sure, like the day of uh, January 6th when the Capitol was stormed. Mm. Well, hmm. I wonder well, I what God is up to you know, <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in this. Um, so mm. I think too, um, as, as you're talking about recalling the stories, but also always acknowledging that the story is ongoing Absolutely. And, and yes, we know the ending. We That's know, right. we know Amen. the ending, but we're living it. And then we can live with a little more joy and lightness knowing that. Absolutely. that so.
2: I have a Mm -hmm. a question kind of, you know, as we, as we move into the fourth quarter, put our fours in the air. Um, so, you know, thinking about raising kids who, who have discipline in their life, you know, have, have these habits of faith like you're talking about first, would you talk a second about like doubtful habits to kind of allude to what that, what that means. And then to maybe, um, maybe let's kick around as three parents at different, different phases of life or different phases of parenting. Um, Yeah. What we see is like challenges and obstacles to kids kind of entering into this Mm. world.
3: Well, when you say doubtful habit, I'm assuming you're uh, maybe referring to this revival that I was talking to Anna about. Is that what you're talking about? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm There was this revival back in i think it was scotland or wales early 20th century student group committed to four things and they saw revival you know come from that and again by the grace of god i don't think it was just because they made it happen magically by doing these four things one of them was putting away unconfessed sin one of them was putting away doubtful habits And I think that word is really great because it encompasses something that's far greater than just things that we know that are sin, but it's things that are maybe unwise, things that are just foolish, things that are wasteful. Um, Golly gee, how many of these can we talk about when we talk, especially when we think about technology? I actually think that technology I'm giving a talk next week at a university and this is like, this is what I'm going to say. One of the talks is desire in a digital age and Mm -hmm. how our devices are forming certain kinds of desires in us that we don't, we don't even notice. We don't even perceive. And so it's, You know, it is such a huge challenge with parenting. I'll be the first to say that we don't have it all figured out. And it's so hard because we're in an era right now where everything is being mediated digitally. Like people can't do school without being on their laptop all the time. You know, whether you're doing it remotely or hybrid or or honestly, just even if you're in school in a classroom, you're constantly on your computer because everything is. Everything's on Google Classroom, and you can't, we are not living in the age even five years ago. Even, you know, when I think about my daughter who's 20, my, my twins, my youngest who are 13, seven years is a totally different, I mean, so much has happened even in seven years. We, inc- everything is just changing so constantly. So it's not like we can take these devices out of our kids' um, hands. But we, this all doubtful habit, like that we have to be talking to our kids about what it's like to live with these things and how they're shaping us. And I'm going to plug another book here because, and you should have him on your podcast because it's so good. And we're actually reading it now with our kids at the dining room table. It's called the wisdom pyramid and, and Brett McCracken had, have you guys talked about it already? So I want to, we have a review coming out next week. Yeah. Okay, good. good yeah. <laughs> okay, great.
2: Once it's live. It'll be on the
1: website. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs>
3: (laughs) it's, it's, it's so practical to talk to your teenagers about because the base of the pyramid is scripture. And then you kind of move your way up and the very tippy top of the pyramid, the, the teeniest little point is your, are your devices, you know, the internet essentially, and it's how you build wisdom. You know, what is your foundation for wisdom? Where, what, what do you consult? And, um, I just think, I don't, have a, I don't have a silver bullet, but I think as parents, the other thing I guess maybe that's encouraging about Deuteronomy is what Moses says. He's, he just says it and he says it again and he says it again and he says it again. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I know our kids hate it. I had a conversation with one of my teenagers this week who she was like, mom, I have your example. And so let's say that for our kids. Yes, let's set our an example for our kids in terms of spiritual habits. That is huge. And she's like, and you you say it all the time. So I'm not I'm not actually like I'm not missing it like you think that I am and I'm like, but (laughs) so it doesn't you could set the example you can talk about it, it doesn't mean that you've solved the problem. But I think it's in five years, you know, I mean, when you're, when you're 17, you don't necessarily really want to hear everything that your parents are saying. Um, but you don't forget it either. I did have not forgotten kind of those talks that my parents had with me when at the time I was rolling my eyes and I was like, you guys don't understand. Thank you. Thank you. And then you come back to it. So set an example, talk to them. Talk. You have to talk about technology and you hope to God they have other adults in their life that they may listen to, um, whether it be, you know, a youth group or, you know, s- somebody else, because I do think that it's hard for them to hear it from us at, at, at certain, this particular season of life.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, a couple of things I would throw in here. One, on the kids side, this, I've been interviewing kids in my youth group doing just kind of like a little study. I do this about every five years where I just ask them about the teenage experience so it's, it's almost like I'm a sociologist, and I love it. they're so insightful and they give such great observations. And so I will ask them about social media, I'll ask them about what you know, social pressures, academic pressure, relationships with parents, what do parents understand about kids, all this kind of stuff. And they it's interesting that they have all talked when the social media they talked about TikTok, and they all say the same thing. Uh, it's not that it has like nefarious content necessarily. They say it is utterly addicting. They say, mm. like, I'm just going like, to do TikTok for five minutes and then 45 minutes they like come out of a trance like oh my gosh I wasted all this time and so I've thought about you know uh, you know as a lot of times I'll kind of explain to parents what's what's going on with social media do I tell parents they shouldn't let their kids have TikTok if they're a middle schooler maybe that's uh, maybe they should yeah. um but um but for a high school kid I've, I've my thinking is like I did need to to kind of communicate to them like you need to start to develop some discipline yourself Right, where you know, when you notice that something like that—that that, that would be a doubtful habit. <laughs> doubtful
3: habit for sure. It, it's
2: funny. It's not. I don't think there's anything inherently terrible about TikTok, like Snapchat, where it is inherently terrible. <laughs> 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 but, um, but anyhow, that's one thing. And then a second thing, I uh, mm. study once talking about the value of. Uh, this is going to be a very non-episcopal thing to say, but the, the value of doing your quiet time out in public where your children can see you. Mm-hmm. Children can see you reading your Bible every morning. Generally, generally I, I um like I, t- I tend to kind of wake up a little bit before my kids and I do my like Bible reading and prayer time, you know, they're at the dining room table where they're going to come out of their bedrooms. Mm-hmm. So that I think, you know, obviously, we're not trying to showboat or we're not trying to be Pharisees or anything like that, but actually for parents in terms of, you know, values being caught more than taught, it's good to kind of model the spiritual disciplines, whether that's going to church, not spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. but faithful habits, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But to model that in terms of Mm -hmm. reading prayer, worship, things like that um, where your kids can see that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's a good word. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think I would say what I've seen the teenagers in my home, the busyness um, mm. is a big part of the problem. But some of that busyness comes from the accumulated wasted time. Y'all are talking. That's about. a heck of a point. Yeah, and um, so it's it's really it's really both. And I think if they were if we were to strip away some of the just lost time then we might find we were not nearly as busy as we thought we were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It's absolutely so, true. I, I find too that actually things like reading my Bible and sitting down and reading my devotion book slows me down automatically yeah. um, in a way that, you know, being on my phone does not. So Yes.
2: Well, Jen- can, I, can I say something to that? One yes. thing I do in that, I will say when you're a parent, particularly if you're a mother, and you have children who are in diapers, it is really hard to have any kind of, it is, it is very hard to have yeah, regular social sure. disciplines. Because I, I say that because I know that someone who's listening, you know, who's, <laughs> who, you know, had an 18 month old and found out they were pregnant with twins. Um, and they're like,
0: oh, I can hardly get a shower, much
3: less.
2: <laughs> think, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, parents with young children, you, you, it, is, it is very hard.
3: Mm -hmm. And we we can, I was speaking to moms, young moms at our church and saying like, you know, it can look a lot of different ways and even bringing music into your home, like where uh, you sing scripture together or it just, that can be a lovely way to actually immerse yourself into truths about God and his story. Even if you don't have time to sit down and have a, Kind of bona fide quiet time you can and and i also said to young moms it counts if you're reading it with your kids you know if you're reading the yeah. story bible and yeah. that's i so many times reading the bible with my kids i would just be in tears you know because god would speak to me through just through the kids bible and that that does actually count <laughs> you know not that we're checking boxes, but you can meet Jesus. You can hear the whole voice of the Holy Spirit speak through a children's Bible.
2: Mm, can I ask one more question as we land the plane? Yes. I'm just kind of curious. I think this would be kind of edifying. I know it would be edifying for me. So what is a, um, what is a, a habit of faith that each of, each of us have that, you, that you know, tends to be, I don't know, creative, out of the box, a habit of faith that you have? I'll go, I'll go first by all time to mm. ask the question. I have, um, I'm going to sound so Anglican saying this, (laughs) Uh, but I, um, one day I was about six years ago, I kind of made a list of like, I I prayed for certain things like, Lord, I pray that I would be, that I have deep joy in Christ. And I pray that I'd have like, I really connect with my kids. I started to think about what are things I really desire, huh? Kind of like someone's (laughs) book, Teach Us to Want. (laughs) Um, Anyhow, and so I just like, I just had this day where I had kind of a really rich prayer time where I was kind of expressing mm-hmm. desires. And I'm like, I should pray for those things every day. I should pray every day that I would have opportunities to share the gospel. Like, mm-hmm. Pray every day, you know, for this, that, and the other. And so I wrote down a list of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I have like several separate lists. I've memorized them now, but it's just, I pray, I, it's almost like a personal liturgy. That's where it mm-hmm. is. Personal liturgy, and, and a lot of it has to do with my own sin and related to my parenting. Mm-hmm. I, I, Lord, I, I know I have a, uh, I have unrealistic expectations of people. I expect mm. everyone to understand me, I expect everybody to uh, accommodate me, no one to cause me trouble, people to do what I want them to do, no one to criticize me, everyone to be gracious with me. <laughs> Free me from unrealistic expectations, help mm. me to recognize that I'm not the center of the world, you're the, you're the center of the world, and help me to regard every person as a struggling sick sinner just like me. Mm. That, that is like all my kind of daily liturgy. So I, I just, you know, I go through, I have this set of prayers. And that doesn't mean that that's the, my only prayer, but I do that every day. And mm. a, a lot of times it's, it's usually in the shower and in the car rides after dropping off children at school. So it's very on the go, if you will.
3: Mm-hmm. So that's Good. a habit yeah. of faith. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's wonderful. great.
1: That's awesome, that's awesome. Jen, do you have one that comes to mind?
3: I was going to share. It's a newer habit of faith. It's a habit that I've developed during the pandemic. Anna's heard me talk about this, but the, I've been doing fixed hour prayer. I've never done that before. I'm doing it very imperfectly. Like I have a prayer book. It's called the divine hours and you can do it four times a day. Um, and I rarely do compliment at the end of the day because I'm, <laughs> I'm too tired and also sometimes lazy because my book is usually downstairs and then I get upstairs and I'm like, oh, shoot, oh, my man. book's downstairs. Once you got to drop <laughs> <job, I'll>, one.
1: <laughs> I know.
3: I'm, okay, I'll just go with the Lord's Prayer. here, um, But... You know what's been so good about it. So honestly, I started it because I was feeling so anxious at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh. I felt really disoriented just in terms of the days, the t- like actually living and existing in time. Just all the, all the hours really felt disrupted. And so I thought, well, maybe I should like try praying more regularly you know i had kind of that time in the morning that i've already you know established that time but i got this book and i've been doing it and then i read the introduction and realized huh christians across the centuries don't do this they haven't done this because they want to feel less anxious It's because they want to join the chorus of praise that is constantly being lifted up to God. And I think that's been the most surprising like thing is like to realize maybe how little praise I had in my kind of own prayer. And every time I open this um, prayer book, usually the first thing is like a call to praise. It's like sing your praise to the Lord, raise your hallelujah, bless the Lord, magnify his name. And there's something about just stopping in the middle of your day Usually it's like lunch and, you know, kind of end of my work day, obviously in the morning as well, um, just to be called into very deliberately being called to praise God and realizing I've usually veered pretty far from that. And usually when I'm coming into God's presence, it's like, okay, let's talk about the things that I need your help with. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that's been, that's been a new one, but a, a rich one. I love that about praise and,
1: and, and scripture says that God inhabits the praise of his people. Mm. So if we want wow. to feel his presence immediately, praise is just a way to walk right in and, mm-hmm. and just, uh, just feel that that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm um, not a great habit person. So this is all very good, good for me to, um, to be mulling over, but, um, I do have an irregularly practiced habit that I, that's really helpful to me. So I've journaled most of my life. And a lot of times I journal my prayers and uh, it keeps me focused because I'm prone to wander Lord. I feel it and uh-huh. um, <laughs> in all the ways, but uh, I, uh, so I write my prayers out, but one thing I have done a lot over the last year is go back and read the old journals and and I've come to, when I come to now, when I'm in a dark place, let's go pull out an old journal wow. and see what God has done. And at Christmas, I wrote my first ever Christmas letter about what God has done in the last 10 years. And so mm. the practice of remembering, becoming yeah. more habitual about the actual practice of remembering in the life of my family mm. is, um, is a habit that i'm starting to put in into more practice that has helps me that's really, good. Good. That's really good. i love that
2: mm. all right
1: well jen we have kept you for a long time but it's really been so fun to oh think. it's been great and
2: you, i mean if you weren't already our favorite canadian <laughs> You are, you're solidified yourself way up there at number one.
3: Okay. So, whoa, that sounds pretty Pelatian to me. <laughs> oh, um, man. Thank
1: you so much for being with us today and for all our listeners. Thank you for being here too. And, um, look for Jen's book, a habit called faith. There was a, a, a review of it. Um, glowing review of it on the blog this week, um, which I'll share in the show notes, but thank you so much for being with us, Jen. Well, thanks for having me, you guys.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Rooted Parent. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music featured on this episode.